Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Stanley Cup Finals are set, but that is not the most important news in the hockey world. The most important news in the hockey world is that you and I are the modern-day Nostradamus for predicting that Ryan Miller would end up getting his jersey retired. On Thursday's episode, we had talked about Miller getting inducted into the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame, and in that discussion had gotten into the fact that we both are believers that Miller is deserving of having his jersey retired, and it's something that we'd love to see happen someday, along with bringing back the Buffalo Sabres Hall of Fame. And wouldn't you know, on Friday, the Buffalo Sabres announced that number 30 is going into the rafters next season. Taylor, what are your instant reactions to Miller not only entering the Sabres Hall of Fame, but more importantly, getting his number retired. Well, I think it's deserved for sure. We've talked a lot about Miller on here, and a lot of that is it's not just that he had he's a real longevity with the Sabres and real longevity in his career. He's the, you know, the all-time leader in wins for American goalies. He had a real all-timer of a season here in, in 2009-10 when he won the Vesna led a pretty mediocre Sabres team to the Northeast division title and also had an awesome Olympics. So that was, you know, it was an incredible season. So he had, a, he had a great career here and he also meant a lot to the community. He was uh, someone that really, really felt like he wanted to be uh, a part of what was going on here and felt like he was a, not, not bigger than Buffalo for sure. But also he was uh, a guy that wanted to get involved in, in meaningful ways, like trying to help people charity and stuff like that, but also just like, involved in the art scene and in different things like that and yeah he was a he's a great guy he meant a lot to people and the, the 0506 and 0607 sabers teams mean a lot to a lot of sabers fans and i think that era is uh he's the guy that i think probably matters to most of fans from that from that time so yeah it's really good that he's up there and it was really cool the way they did it. If you haven't checked it out, I would check out the video the Sabres uh, put out on Twitter where they invited him. He had no idea what, what was going to happen. I think he, they probably just told him like, hey, come bring your kids to see see the arena. And then they do the uh, the video from RJ. And that was really cool. So it was a really good moment. And now uh, they shouldn't, I should say they won't retire anyone's number for 25 years. My take. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. I can't think of anybody who comes to mind as an immediate option right off the bat. But just to go back to Miller and just, again, where he ranks both in terms of the Sabres and in terms of all time, as we all know, of course, he is the winningest United States-born goalie in NHL history. All time on the NHL wins list, he's 14th. Some of his other stats, too, uh, that are notable and of course, led to him getting this very prestigious honor. He is the Sabres' all-time wins leader. He is our all-time leader in games played by a goalie. Uh, on top of that, he's the all-time leader in saves. He is, I believe, third in goals against. He's second in shutouts. He's the leader in minutes played among all Sabres. He is third in goals saved above average. Uh, in terms of goalie point shares, he is second all time, of course, behind Hashik. And in terms of overall point shares, he is third behind Dominic Hashik and Gilbert Perot. So Miller, of course, is very deserving of the honor, both for what he did on the ice and then as well as, of course, off the ice, as, as you alluded to there. And, you know, I, again, I think that this just speaks to the greater point of the Sabres need to do a better job of engaging with their alumni. And we've been seeing over the past couple of years, the early stages of them trying to do that. But I think that this is just a, a natural, great first real step in the right direction of getting this re-engaged. And I think that just in general, I mean, this, this move is a slam dunk, you know, Miller is deserving. He's beloved universally by the fans. He's, he's been through it all with us. One of the interesting things, interesting things too, that I saw, I think it might've been Walt, our, our pal Sabermetrics had pointed this out. He has worn 11 different Sabres jerseys throughout his yeah. tenure, which I thought was kind of fun. That's, that's pretty wild. So again, Huge congrats to Miller, completely, completely deserved. And needless to say, I'm excited to be there for when his jersey ends up going up into the rafters next season. Yeah, oh yeah, that'll be a great night. I'm, I'm definitely planning on going to that. Hey, well, and while we're talking about goalies, speaking of goalie news, the Sabres acquired a goalie, but not in the way that we've been talking about everybody. Well, we have acquired <laughs> Ben Bishop and his contract. One more year on the books from Dallas for a seventh round pick in exchange for everybody's favorite return future considerations, AKA a whole lot of nothing. So Taylor, I thought it was a seventh round pick. I did. I said that it's the, oh. the Sabres end. The Sabres had traded future considerations oh, for okay. Bishop's contract in a seventh round pick. I see. Yeah. Yes. Instant reaction. It's, it's good. I mean, I think a lot of people were reading too much into it when it happened or people had different ideas about the off season than me. Cause it seemed like some people on Twitter that, uh, took this as a hundred percent for sure sign that they're not going to spend any money at all, basically. And I don't think it's really that. And there's some people that think uh, maybe they should spend a lot more money this off season, but I, I was looking at cat friendly and spot track to like, see where they are cap wise. And with signing Bishop, they're 13 million uh, under the cap floor right now. So, and people might think like, Oh, you'll have people to sign and they will. But here's the thing. They already have like 12 forwards under contract. They already have four defensemen under contract. They don't have any goalies. So forward wise, there's not too much room to move. You have Olofsson as an uh, RFA and Henestrosa as a UFA. And I only mentioned Henestrosa because allegedly they want to bring him back. We'll see. And you have uh, Rootsalainen as an RFA for whatever that matters. I guess we'll see. And you have Jacob Bryson as an RFA for defensemen. So like, Looking at it this way, if they sign Bryson for like two million a year for however many years that is, but that seems reasonable, right? 
they yeah. get him for that. Um, they dump Bjork, but keep part of his contract, which that's impossible to know how much they'll keep. Uh, and then trade Olofsson. They're going to have to spend like in the range of four, 13 to 14 million on two goalies and whoever's going to play with power or the sixth defenseman, whoever that ends up being. So like, even that's even with Bishop, if they didn't get Bishop, I think they'd be at a real risk of not getting the cap floor. And the way I look at it is this, it's a way to be proactive because you're not going to be anywhere near the cap, obviously. So getting Bishop is a, a sign that it's like Kevin Adams wants to ensure that there's no question they'll get to the cap floor. Now I think there still kind of is question, but whatever, but like there's far less of a question than there would be before. I don't think it necessarily means that they're going to, because Bishop's cap head is 4.9 uh, million. I don't think they're, uh, that's a guarantee that they're going to spend exactly 4.9 million under the cap floor. I think it's more of a precaution thing. I, I think I, mostly, I think it's kind of irrelevant, but I think it, it just helps to ensure that, you know, you're going to hit the cap floor or that you're much more likely to hit the cap floor. Right. And I think the thing that I, I, cause I'm with you, I was a little bit perplexed as for people who were mad about a move like this, because it's for one more year, you know, this Mm -hmm. is really going to be the big year where this is going to be an issue probably for the last time. Because again, as we've talked about recently, you have contracts that are going to be up after this year, that guys are going to need to get signed in the 2023, 20 for the 2023, 2024 season. So you're going to need help getting to the floor this year undeniably because of that. And also just because of the guys who are going to be in line for pretty major pay raises. I mean, again, let's just go back through after the 22, 2023 season, Tage Thompson is going to be an RFA. Dylan cousins is going to be an RFA. Andres Bjork. Again, that doesn't matter. I don't think he'll be here. Rasmus Asplund is going to be an RFA. Matias Samuelson is going to be an RFA. Then you get ahead and you get through 2023, 2024. You are going to have Darlene is going to be an RFA. We'll see if Yoki Haru is here. I'm not convinced he will be still by that point. Owen Power, like those are going to be contracts that are going to be opening up then. So really the next two years after this year, that's when you're going to have a lot of this cap space is going to be eaten up by guys who are going to be a part of the future. I mean, again, like Thompson is getting paid 1.4 million this year. Cousins is still on his rookie deal. So that's only 894,000. Okay. Then you have Asplund. Asplund is only making 825,000. Those three guys among your forwards are all going to get raises. Opozo's contract is up and you have to think that they're going to want to keep him around. Assuming he wants to keep playing. He's not going to make $6 million, but you're going to end up having to give him a couple million as well. Going down the list also. I mean, Samuelson again, on his rookie deal, $925,000. He's going to be in line for a decent raise. Of course, two years from now when Darlene's up, that's going to be a really significant one. But then on top of that, yeah, like you had talked about with Bryson there, and then whoever else they end up bringing on in on the blue line, and then along with the goalies too. So it's not – I'm not worried about them spending up to – the salary cap, whether or not they make this move. The concern is getting to the floor. They, no matter what they do, will not, and quite frankly, cannot end up spending to the salary cap just because of how the breakdown of the roster is right now, unless you go and hand out like a $9 million contract to somebody else or something crazy like that. Like there's just, there's no way that they're going to end. I don't even know if you could possibly do it. Right. Well, you you could, I guess, theoretically, but it, it would be hard. You'd have to give like max contracts to, 
two goalies and a defenseman. Right. It's like, it's not even a concern to me. So I, I just, I don't understand how anybody can have an issue with this when in reality, it's just only for one year. That's it. Like you just have to find ways that you can weaponize the cap for one season. And then a bunch of guys are going to be in line for getting raises like a lot. I just named four key pieces of this team who are making under $2 million a year in Samuelson, Thompson, Cousins, and Asplin, all of which under $2 million a year who are going to be in line for raises and making significantly more. This is a one-year thing that you're going to have to do. And quite frankly, you're probably going to see another one of these moves made too, I would say, more likely than not. You know, I think a lot of that will also be dependent on who they end up getting in, uh, to play in net and who they end up going after in free agency. But there's the possibility that they might do something like this again. And that's okay. It's for one year. I, I just, I, I'm a little lost as to why people were so upset about it as well. Yeah. I think part of it is people are looking at this as like a really good free agent class, but to me, it seems like the top and the guys you'd pay a lot of money to are forwards. And there's a lot we could talk about with, you know, if we went through guy through guy, I'm sure we'll do that before free agency starts, but like, what do you, I, I think at the forward position, you kind of have to give the young guys room this year to, to do their thing, which is part of the reason I am interested in them kind of dumping Bjorkov on someone because I know he's not part of the future. But looking at it right now, like, so Skinner, Oposo, Tuck, all those guys, those are the main, the three veterans, I would say, uh, among the, the forward group. So like they all will get their time. Uh, they're all important in different ways. And then you'll have Tage, fourth guy. He, <laughs> hopefully a 40 goal season coming up, but he'll obviously have to get his time, but then you're going to want uh, cousins, Krebs, Quinn and Paterka. Now that's eight guys, all four of those guys, you're going to want to give them time to grow and give them the opportunity to, well, cousins. I mean, they're all, they all have different goals this season, I would say. And then you have Rasmus Asplund, one of the best uh, bottom six defensive players in the league uh, as far as forwards go. So that's nine guys. You have Zemgus Gergensen's under contract, a good fourth liner, a guy that's worth holding on to. That's that's one. You might want to see how Casey Middlestat does this season. That's another guy. And allegedly they're interested. I mean, so you have Olofsson, however you handle that. So there's not just really that much room to bring in a forward. Like, what, what do you who are you bringing right. in? Where are you putting them? And you're not. And, to and that who's coming point, here? Well, right. To that point, they're not getting Goudreau. They're not getting Philip Forsberg. You're not going to be getting one of these high end guys who's going to command a lot of money. Yeah, no. and that even goes on defense. I mean, I know we've talked about and people have mentioned the idea of something like Chris Letang, but again, like that's just like a short term move, even if you were to just give him some outrageous contract, you know, you give him like eight or nine million for two years or something like that. There's, but otherwise, though, I mean, among the forwards, like it's really not going to happen. And I have a hard time thinking that Chris Letang is going to want to come here too to even give him that amount of money in the first place. So, yeah, the money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, so I also wanted to say that as far as backup goalie goes, I think they're going to go with UPL in the NHL next year. Yeah. Not set in stone, but, like, he's an RFA. He's not going to command that much money. So I need, I didn't even think about that when I was doing this, but UPL costs, like, $2 million or less, I'm assuming, next year. Um, yeah. And so that means <laughs> you're really looking at the roster, um, forgetting Olofsson for a second, whatever they do with him you're really looking at what's a really almost a complete forward core and you're looking at five defensemen when they get Bryson for let's say roughly 2 million to two and a half million. And then UPL for like 
another one you're you're looking at they their open spots are goalie starting goalie and guy to play with power in my opinion so you have a, a top pairing defenseman at least someone that well or second pairing depending on where power is next year someone you can put with power and a goaltender and it, those guys have to cost like a combined 12 million or something like that to hit the cap <laughs> and again there's a there's a billion things here like what what happens with Olsson and what happens with Bjork but like yeah, that could happen, definitely, but it's not super likely. And again, there's not that much room. I mentioned the young forwards you want to give time to. Dalene, that's not just someone you want to give time to. By the way he played at the end of last year, he's more than earned a, a real look at being the top guy for a full season. Power goes without saying. Samuelson showed a lot last year. Bryson, you really want to see what you have, so I assume you give him at least a probably like a one- or two-year deal. Uh, and then Yoki Haru, who I didn't love last year, uh, but I guess maybe you want to give one more chance to, at the very least, the, the last thing you want to do with Yoki Haru is have him in the press box or something like that. Like at least see if he can play, give him a real, you know, a shot this year to play on what should be a competitive team most of the year. And then, I mean, that that basically leaves room for one free agent defenseman and it leaves room for the biggest hole free agent starting goalie. So both of those guys, great. Yeah. Get both of those guys signed. If you didn't get Bishop, you'd be nowhere near this floor. And some people brought up like, yeah, you have all these forwards. You could trade some of them. And like, sure, you could. Like, Olsen's the one we've brought up because I think he might fetch a good return. Don't resign Henestroza. So they don't bring back R2. Or at least he's on a two-way deal, so he's in Rochester. Then like, you can't trade Skinner. You don't want to trade Tuck. You don't want to trade Tage, Cousins, Krebs, Asplin, Quinn, Paterka. So you, you trade Casey Middlestat maybe? be a terrible return at this time, but if you feel like this is the best time to trade him, which I don't I know if it is, you get rid of Gergensen's. I mean, you're not going to get much for him if, if they're, if your goal is to make room, like, but um, my problem with forwards is like, comes down to where, how much playing time is this guy going to get? Who, who, is, who is this guy that you're signing? And, mm-hmm. and, and who, if it's a big time guy, I got to wonder which one of these big time guys really wants to come to Buffalo now, or maybe next year right. at this time, we'd have a better, a better pitch. Uh, we might think, and we might know, in fact, that the the vibes are better here, but I don't think that's going to really, people are going to really realize that around the league until the Sabres, like, you know, like make the playoffs or are hard to play against. Right. I mean, you're looking at, it's been over a decade since we've been back to the playoffs and, you know, what do you really at this stage of the game have to recruit with from the Sabres perspective, the future, obviously, I think even though it has been a mess, it's undeniable the young talent that's on this team, but how does that match up against a team who's a contender that's going to go after one of these guys too, who has the, who has the same amount of money, you know, and, and for these higher end guys, you know, you look at, again, as just talking about them because they're at the top of the list among forwards, Goudreau and Forsberg, neither of them have won a cup before. You really think that they're going to leave their existing playoff contender teams to go and essentially into a situation that's like a starting from scratch no, of course not. That's not what they're looking for right now. And so really, and we, and we talked about this too. Like, yeah, sure. There are some definite great players in this year's free agent class. Don't get me wrong, but that's also the case next year too. Like we, we could be running into a very, very similar situation where there's going to be maybe like three, four pretty big name guys who are looking really good. And from the Sabres perspective, it might be a lot easier for them to go after one of those guys this time next year. If you show 
that rather than just being this perennial bottom feeder, that if you have a good year this year, like we're talking about, and say you are like a 500 or just above 500 team, that you're right on the cusp of taking that next step and your young guys are continuing to show growth. And then it's like, oh, well, okay, you know, if say, and obviously this is just like best case scenario, like Darlene puts up like 70 points and Tage scores 40 goals. And then it turns into something like, oh, well, I want to go play with those guys now, you know, like you can't really yeah. say that at this point yet where the Sabres have that. They had that with like Eichel and Reinhardt, for example. But again, we saw how that ended up working out. So, you know, you're kind of back to square one here. And now I think it's a matter of this year really just establishing a positive reputation among the league so that when the time comes that not even for the perspective of just free agency also, I mean, this is just a matter of, you know, going after guys in trades because you have to keep in mind, like a lot of contracts these days have some degree of a no trade clause a modified no trade clause and building a reputation to the point where Buffalo is not a team that is just constantly on those lists, because I'm sure if you went through the NHL right now, it would, obviously we don't know this for sure, but it would be, it'd be a high number of guys who would have, who have to some degree, a, a no trade, a modified no trades who would have Buffalo on their list of teams that they don't want to go to. Yeah. I would assume so at this point that that does make it tough as well. Right. So I guess in, in conclusion on that, uh, trading for Ben Bishop in this way is fine. And a seventh round picks a seventh round pick. So like it's, it's basically nothing. So this is, it's kind of a nothing move, but I wouldn't freak out about the free agency stuff. Cause, because I guess there's, if, if Adams really does want, let's say we get a, a goalie for a, a good amount of money, uh, say it's Darcy Kemper, even someone that in short term, but a lot of money in that short term and Manson, we go just raid Colorado in the off season after they win the cup um, spoiler alert, but <laughs> they, uh, they do that. And then they're, they didn't even turns out they didn't need Bishop to get to the cap floor. Cause they also kept Olofsson. It's like, well, you know what, you know what having Ben Bishop and LTI hurts nothing with the Pagula's checkbook basically hurts nothing. And that yep. doesn't matter. Cause they're way under the cat. This is still less than the Pagula's would be spending anyway. So not a big deal, but so we're going to talk about that uh, Stanley cup final that I guess you all know my prediction for already. Um, but first let's hear uh, a word from our sponsors, DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 in any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Well, Taylor, as I had mentioned at the top of the show with us, uh, you know, just being spot on with our predictions these days, it wasn't only Ryan Miller that we were correctly predicting in the past couple of weeks. We also correctly predicted 
that after tying the series at two, the Tampa Bay Lightning would end up winning the next two games and beating the Rangers in six games. And wouldn't you know, that is exactly what happened and now sets up what is seeming to be a very entertaining Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Taylor, you had said there, your prediction is the Avalanche that they're going to win. I also agree with you that I do think it's going to be the Avs. Go into it, though. Why do you think the Avs are going to end up coming away with the Cup this year and preventing Tampa from winning their third straight Stanley Cup? I think part of it is uncertainty on Tampa Bay's part because we don't know. We, we're pretty sure uh, Braden Point's going to play, right? We think right. he might play. That's tough, though, because, I mean, this is kind of similar that was going into the Stanley Cup two years ago when Tampa, uh, we weren't sure if Stamkos was going to play or not. There's some optimism. He ended up playing, like, a shift, and he scored a goal. Tampa won anyway, but they're not playing the Dallas stars this time they're playing Colorado, who I think is probably the most complete team. So here's the thing. Here's, here's part of why I don't like Tampa's depth as much as I like Colorado's. That's a big thing. And I look at Colorado and it's like, they think Kadri's going to play. They think Kemper's going to play. They think Cogliano's going to play. So Colorado might be a hundred percent healthy going into this and Braden points like, I don't know, like one of the 20 best players in hockey. I know that you could say that about multiple guys in the team and the way Stamkos is playing now. And, and Kucherov has also been very good in this, uh, in these playoffs. But yeah, that's it. That's just kind of, uh, it's a, it's a tough one to have to deal with. Like is Braden Point going to play or not? That's such a big thing hanging over the series. And maybe he does play and he looks completely normal and that could swing things. Here's a couple of things. I, I think that Colorado, has an advantage on well let's start with why they do why this is such a good series i guess i should say that first so you have say the best forward on each team you have mckinnon as good as almost anyone you could say you can make an argument that he's better than everyone except mcdavid and then on the other side you have kucherov this is probably tampa's best forward right now who is a former Hart trophy winner one of the best players in hockey as well so that's great defense you have victor hedman multiple time norris winner who's won a con Smythe. And you have uh, our old friend, Kel McCarr, who is maybe the best uh, defenseman in hockey right now. Probably the most dynamic, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then you have this, Tampa has probably a little bit, well, it, this that's what they lose if they don't have point. I was going to say score death. They have Stamkos for sure. And Stamkos is probably going to be a 500 goal scorer by the time he retires. Also a former uh, Rocket Richard winner, 60 goal scorer. That's great. I mean, if they have point, then they definitely have the, the, the top of the four depth better. I'd say Colorado is better at having like four lines of guys that none of them suck. Even Darren Helm scored a big goal this playoffs. Colorado is less deep than they were last year in terms of forwards, but like they're still really good. Like they have guys that are like great to have around that aren't flashy, like Valerie Nachushkin and uh, forgetting his name, uh, Lekkinen, Arturi Lekkinen. Arturi Lekkinen, yeah. Yeah. Guys like that that are just solid all all around guys to have around. And JT Confer, another guy that's kind of like that, to a lesser extent than those guys. Goaltending wise, Vasilevsky should be a huge advantage. Goaltending can be fickle, as we know. Vasilevsky is on his way. If if Tampa wins, Vasilevsky is almost certainly gonna be the Con Smythe guy, I assume, especially if it's a strong finals. But our dude Pavel actually kind of held up pretty well. Darcy Kemper's absence. Kemper wasn't great in the, well, he's good in the first round. Well, you know what? Here's the thing with him not being great in the first round. Nashville didn't have any shots. I feel like he was kind of bored. 
Nashville couldn't get any like sustained pressure, mm-hmm. which leads me to, I guess the last thing that I give Colorado the advantage on is defensive depth. So beyond McCarr and Hedman, they have on Tampa side, they have, you know, they have Ryan McDonough. Sergeyev. They have Sergachev. They're good, but I would take uh, Gerard and Taze over them. Well, remember no Gerard though. That's right. Okay. Wait. So is Gerard, is Gerard in the same boat as Cagliano and Kadri though, or no? No, Gerard is done. Oh, okay. Hmm, that makes things more interesting. I guess what I'm going to come down to on this is one thing. I think goaltending in a series, my thought, I know that hasn't been so far in the playoffs. I think it'll be a little bit more even than it has been. Interesting. So I, that means that I think Kemper or Pavel, whoever plays, will be closer to Vasilevsky. It's yeah. just tough. It's just like, I know Vasilevsky's done this, so he, I, he's a superstar, not just a hot goalie. But, man, this is a, really hard to keep this up. Like, well, yeah. He's just, done. That's, it's kind of insane. Well, and for it to just further your point that you're saying, too, about the, on the defensive side for the avalanche, like, yeah, obviously not having Gerard is pretty big. But, again, you can't really overstate the importance of, of Devin Tays being the number two there. But on top of that too, I mean, Bowen Byram's looked pretty good. Josh Manson has had, you know, an okay playoffs, but still, I mean, that's a, a strong veteran presence there. When you want to talk about strong veteran presence, also you have Eric Johnson there too. You know, uh, I'm not going to mention the other Johnson on the blue line there for the avalanche, but they've got depth <laughs> is what I'm getting at. And, and obviously Gerard is a tough loss to have, but your top four there, I think, is still good enough that it's combined with how high end your like the top of your D is and the depth that you have among your forwards as well. It, it, it's it's a it's a nice little benefit that Colorado has that they do have so many serviceable guys among their um, five defensemen and the sixth, aka he who will not be named. Yeah, not no, to be I, I agree with a, a certain acoustic uh, singer songwriter. Yes. I think he, you know, he's a multi-talented guy, but like not at hockey. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I, I, that's part of uh, why I'm, I like Colorado is the defensive depth. The last thing I'll say is the rest thing, because it's not just these playoffs, but it's worth looking at the past couple of years, which have been tough for all of us here across America and Canada, but it's been interesting the way it's affected pro sports because thinking about it this way, the playoffs two years ago had not started yet at this time, which is crazy to think about. That's really weird to think. They started in July and ended in September, or they started in late June. Either way, they would not started as of today. So that meant that, like, all those guys in the bubble, Tampa is one of them. Tampa put, played 20-something games in the bubble, has to come back quickly with the shortened 56-game season, has another long playoff run last year obviously the full season this year and another long playoff run. So that's, that's a problem twofold. First of all, everyone's tired. Second Colorado, fewer games than that because they lost in the second round, both times mm-hmm. they went home a month earlier, both times. That's got to help a little bit, even though I'm sure they didn't want to do that. And the third thing is goaltending rest. It's important in the regular season. I, I think that should hold true in, in the playoffs as well. The reason it doesn't is because no goalies are resting in the playoffs. So I think, just to, to clarify what I mean by that is in the regular season, the reason that you see these days, you see goalies so rarely play back to backs, especially on the road is because the stats indicate that almost every goalie just gets significantly worse in a back to back. So it's like, yeah, you might have 
starting goalie is a 920 guy and your backup's only a 905 guy. But in the second game of a back-to-back, your starting goalie might be an 895 guy, which is why it's smarter to play a backup. You don't obviously do that in the playoffs because the stakes are so high and gets evened out. But this isn't one of those cases. Tampa Bay has had a decently tough run. I know they weirdly swept the President's Trophy winners, but they played two tough series, two a six-game series against the Rangers that was harder than I'm sure they thought it was going to be, and a seven-gamer against the Leafs that was yeah, really tough. They almost lost. So that was that's 17 games they've played. Uh, and the other side, not only has Colorado swept two teams and played a six-gamer against the Blues, that was, I, I would say, decently tough. So they've played three fewer games. Kemper hasn't played in more than two weeks. He's played, I think they've each played uh, seven games, if I'm not mistaken, or they've played eight and six. So him and him and Pavel have split that up and they've, you know, goaltending hasn't been the reason Colorado has gotten here, but like that rest could be meaningful. Like if Kemper's coming in for game one, I know there's a, a rust first rest thing people get concerned with, but after game one, that's usually not as much of a thing like that. That's looking at last round. Tampa Bay came in with the sweep and the Rangers came in uh, having played a seven game series. In that case, the Rangers almost always would win game one, which they did handily. And then did they outplay Tampa the rest of the series? No, Tampa outplayed them five games in a row after that. And I think this is a much closer matchup than that. But I think what you're going to see is maybe Tampa looking better because they're less rusty in game one. And then from then on, I think you see Colorado win. But I think it goes seven. Because everything I talked about, that sounds very close, doesn't it? And I would not be surprised when it goes seven if Vasilevsky just shuts the door. Yeah. I'm winning another con Smythe. No, I completely agree. And I was thinking about it too, just as we're talking about it and just the, the lead up to this conversation that in picking series, you know, it's easy when it's just in general, two good teams say, oh, I think this is going to go seven games. But like, I, I legitimately really do think this is going to go seven. I, I would be shocked if this goes less than that. Just because like we're saying, they're, they are pretty well matched up, even though there might be some slight edges on both sides. They're, they're pretty well matched up with each other for the most part. And I think both teams have question marks. But at the end of the day, all of that aside, both teams just flat out are really, really good. And on Colorado side, they are without question, I would say the best team in the Western Conference. They were all year. We all knew this. And while Florida ended up winning the President's Trophy, we're talking about a team that has won the last two Stanley Cups. So this is about as good of a matchup as we can we could have asked for. I mean, this, there's no Montreal Canadiens in this Stanley Cup final. So I'm really looking forward to this series. And I'm with you, though. I do think it's going to go seven. I think it's going to be really back and forth. I, I don't I don't foresee with either of these teams there being a scenario where one team is going to go up like three to one or something like that. And the other team is going to come back. I think if I, I would be surprised if we see something like that, where there's like somebody has like a two nothing lead in the series or a three to one lead where the other team really has to overcome it. I think that it's going to be back and forth. I think it'll be, uh, you know, one to one and it'll go two one and two, two, maybe at some point, you know, we'll, we'll see if it ends up getting to that, if a team can take over, because again, I think with how good these two teams are, the reason I say all of this too, is because if one of them ends up getting up by two games, I think that, either team is good enough and has the killer instinct in them that they're going to be able to just shut the door and end it. Like there's going to be, I I can't foresee a scenario where if 
either one of these teams goes up to nothing or three to one that the other team is going to be able to come back and, and overcome that just because of how good the opposition is. Whereas obviously with the Rangers case, the Rangers are largely unproven. And of course you have Shesterkin who is probably the second best goalie in the world, but you don't, you're not as battle tested. You don't have the high end talent that either of these two teams have. And so if it gets to that point, I don't think that either team would be able to come back but I'm going to say that it's just going to be consistently back and forth. And I would be the, the team who is able to win two games in a row, I think is going to be the team who's going to end up winning this to put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know what that I'm saying? Like the team who yeah. first wins two games in a row. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's going to be a great series. I'm really excited for it. Uh, it's, it's like we, you know, we've said there hasn't been a great series uh, matchup in quite a while I would say since probably either 2015 or 2013 one of the two but yeah that it reminds me honestly 2015 was an underrated matchup just because Colorado was a little bit hobbled even though Tampa Bay was a little green but you know they were a little hobbled so that was it was it ended up being a good matchup I don't know if you remember this but no one in that series led by more than a goal until the final period of game six Chicago wow. scored to go up two nothing and slam the door shut on the series but yeah that's it it got me thinking that like oh yeah tampa was in that cup that means they've had four cup appearances in eight seasons to go along with their however many conference i think seven conference final appearances in the last 12 and also won a cup in 04 different team but it's interesting for tampa because they were they didn't get off the ground well at all as a mm-hmm. franchise Mm-mm. They were like really bad and all of a sudden they were champions, but then they were just bad again. They got the first overall pick with Stamkos. So you could say uh, this is one of the times getting the first overall pick really worked out for them. Yeah. Uh, no clearly. complaints from them. I'm sure. <laughs> Who would have thought Taylor that when you look at these two teams when you look at all of those hydra, like who could have ever predicted that a way to becoming really good is just having really good high draft picks pan out. Who would have thought, you know, who could have guessed among us that Nathan McKinnon, the first overall pick, or Cal McCarr, the third overall pick, would end up being this good, or Steven Stamkos, the first overall pick, any of these. Victor Hedman, the second overall Victor pick. Victor Hedman, like, wow. Who who among us could have guessed that this was a way to do that? Just just something to think about for a particular sect of Sabres fans. That Did I we mentioned Eric Johnson, first overall Eric pick? Eric Johnson, of course. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Hey. Don't give up on your first overall pick defenseman because just a short 16 years later, they might be the fifth best guy. Sometimes it takes a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, Gabe Landeskog too, actually. That's another one that I'm now thinking of again, second overall pick. Uh, Was it Miko Randon? Yeah. Miko Randon and 10th overall pick. I, I mean, hmm, just, just, just something for us all to chew on for a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, well, anyway, it's it, it also goes to show the NHL more of a dynastic league than I think their fans like to let on. I think mm-hmm. I don't mind either way. I think it's kind of well, it's good to have something in the middle. But I think a lot of fans are like, "Well, the NBA, where the same teams play every year." And it's like this. That's always what the NHL has been for sure. And that was, I think, the most ironic part about that is that people would always say that, especially I feel like that was a big thing during like the heats run with the, with the big three there. And it's like, are we going to pretend that like 
Chicago and Los Angeles and Pittsburgh and Boston weren't like the only four teams like going to the cup for that entire stretch of while that was going on too. Yeah. It's, it's so if you look at the history of the league, it had to be dynastic in the original six era because there's so few teams, but it's like, man, did Montreal and Toronto have to win that many cups? And then as soon as that era ends, my Toronto stopped existing as a franchise and you see like Montreal wins in the late sixties, they split with Boston in the early seventies. And then it's like, they win. Oh, so the flyers win two in a row. They win four in a row. The Islanders win four in a row. Uh, uh, Edmonton wins four or five. Pittsburgh wins two in a row. The devils win three. The avalanche win two. The red wings win four. Like it's just, it's always been like that. People don't like to admit it, but it has been, you just, you get definitely more random finalists. Like you would never get last year's Montreal in most other leagues, respectable leagues. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's even so in this, in this modern era, I guess Tampa has to be now considered the best dynasty of the 21st century. I would say but that's an arbitrary endpoint because that cuts off the late nineties Red Wings. Wow. So that yeah makes it real easy in my decision to not have to think about what's better. But well, I honestly still might be Tampa, if, even if I include them because of the salary cap. So who knows? Well, another side of that conversation, too, is that we don't know how long Tampa's run is going to keep going for. I mean, whether or not they make it here or uh, whether or not they do it and end up winning three straights, one thing. But as we've talked about, they don't have to slow down in the next handful of years. Like they can keep being this team and playing at this high of a level. Yeah. And for people who want to bring up the Columbus series, uh and how embarrassing it was the red wings did that like every other year the difference mm-hmm. is they didn't do a notes app apology on twitter <laughs> like the red wings lost to would they have if twitter and the notes app was a thing at this point though oh uh, that's impossible to say mm. who knows well which time what would it be when they lost to uh the kings the king's first playoff series win in 10 years in 01 or eight years, whatever it was, would be when they lost to, they got swept by the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, mm. which I believe is also their first playoff series win, which makes it even more like Columbus. It would be when they lost to Calgary in the first round or second round, whatever that was, uh, which Calgary was a, a basically a two-man team. Or when they were a 58-win juggernaut and they lost to the Edmonton Oilers in the 1-8 series in the first round. I guess you could pick that one of those like times. That no apology right there. That Edmonton one that actually yeah. might be, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, it's uh, looking forward to the cup next time we talk. Uh, the cup will have started, or well, it depends when we talk on Wednesday, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what our schedule permits. Yeah, cool. All right, well, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off, Taylor? Hmm, I don't know. Do you have any recommendations? I don't think so. Yeah, I've seen two movies since the last time we were on here. That's uh, good. Did you like them? Not one of them. Well, what, um, what were they? One was good. One was Bow's Burgers. Not my recommendation yet. Maybe I'll put that in my back pocket. Anti-recommendation, Jurassic World Dominion. That bad, huh? Man. Even with bringing back the OGs, that bad? Yeah, it didn't help. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, they Who's And they the tried blame? to do... Well... I don't want to give too much away in case people want to see it because it just came out a few days ago, but it did very well box office wise, um, which is something. I don't know how pa- happy people were leaving the theater, but it. Uh, so first of all, there's a 
same issue as last movie. A lot of the time, they just don't seem that focused on dinosaurs, even though there's like a billion dinosaurs now. Like mm. They're focused on other things. I don't really want to give away what they're focused on, but let me assure you, it sucks. Is it inflation? No, that'd be... <laughs> it does have to do with the global supply chain. Okay. So it's about as interesting as uh, the uh, a lot of the conflicts in The Phantom Menace. I was literally just thinking, <laughs> it sounds like Star Wars. Like Yeah. Um, none of the stars that they bring back are really all that good. Like, oh, they're, they're not given as much to do. Like, Laura Dern's a great actress, but, like, there's a bunch of stuff that... They tried to pull off iconic moments again, like, like repurposing them from the original, and that... I don't ever like that, but they, they, they especially did a, a bad job of it. Yeah. Tough look all around from, from JWD. And I don't know why it's so weird to me now because the first movie, whatever is well received and made a ton of money. So like, Oh, we got to bring Colin Trevorrow back to write the second one, which was a disaster. I mean, it made money, but like people didn't like it. And the story was all over the place. Human cloning. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know what? That guy's back, and now he's the director again. And it sucks. Mm. Who <laughs> could have seen this coming? Tough, tough break for Jurassic World Dominion. The, the trailer actually looked kind of good, so I was disappointed. So my actual recommendation is the first part of season four of Stranger Things. Oh, there you go. I actually have to finish that still. I have two more to go. Yeah, so that'll take you like uh, about a week. Three days, roughly. <laughs> The um, it's coming back. I don't know if people know this that this season isn't over because this is not a spoiler. But when when you watch the end of episode seven, it doesn't feel like an ending. Mm. Uh, it feels like there's stuff to be resolved, and I think people might be confused by that because there are two episodes. Well, they shouldn't be too confused because it does say on the screen right after that there's two episodes coming. But don't be surprised when they get here. Don't be like, oh, two episodes here on a Friday. I'll just take two of them out, you know, my lunch break or make one on my lunch break or whatever and watch the rest after dinner before I go out on this Friday night. No, you got to make a commitment. There's four hours and 15 minutes in those two episodes. Jesus. So be ready. This show must have cost a billion dollars to make this season it's like every episode is like its own little movie yeah it really is i've enjoyed a lot of i've, I've enjoyed the hell out of it and mm -hmm. they really dialed up the horror this season which i liked uh so that's that's been a lot of fun and you i already have biggest horror man you you love a good horror movie yeah me and my me and my dude vecna uh love to chill hang out with each other oh yeah like he brings over uh like a bottle of rosé to watch like uh when we have watch the sabers games and stuff Oh, then like then he's like, oh, like he does a blue thing to my eyes, and I'm like, no, 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 Vecna, knock it off. Who does Vecna think that uh, the Sabers should go after this off season? Yeah, I keep asking him about that, and then he starts talking about um, how we have to tell Jack Eichel that it's all his fault and give him all these. Like he apparently Jack Eichel uh, woke up on the, on the floor of a Vegas hotel recently and he saw a grandfather clock. Wow. So I was like, uh oh. TikTok, buddy. Oh, man. Oh, man. All so, right. yeah, Stranger Things is my recommendation. I didn't need to recommend it because it's literally the most popular show in America. That's but I'll have – I have my two next recommendations in my back pocket. So, there you'll you hear those then. I will uh, definitely try and come up with something in the meantime. I just – I don't feel in a, a very recommending uh, kind of mood these days, you know? Yeah. Maybe I'm trying to keep my recommendations for myself. Yeah, no one else gets to know about these. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the underground uh, albums that I always 
refer to like indie bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yeah. No, you do. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, that, you don't want to get too many, secret. too many Kendrick Lamar fans out there. Exactly. It's, it's just, his his uh, fan base is getting a little too big for my liking. Same with the Chili Peppers. I feel like people are starting to find out about them a little too, uh, too much these days. Yeah, man. We mix it up. I feel like both of us mix it up. Like you'll do like, Scream and like other like big name ones, but we'll also do some more like low key movies and albums and whatnot. True. I, I think I, did I don't know why I'm like auditing ourselves for like our recommendations that we give. I should probably <laughs> stop, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like two weeks ago, I did a pretty small movie, I think. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this has been a, uh, just a damn pleasure, Taylor. It's, it's been lovely talking to you and it's been lovely talking with all of you, everybody who's listening. So once again, this has been Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, streaming platforms to check out all of the other great shows that each of our presenters are putting out on a weekly basis and on top of that follow them on social media as well you could also find us on social media straight up sabers on facebook twitter and instagram and last but not least as taylor had mentioned before make sure you're checking out DraftKings and using our promo code thpn at checkout we'll be back with a brand new episode on thursday everybody thanks so much for tuning in have a great start to your week this has been straight up sabers